All right, everybody, welcome back to the Red Zone Power Play Podcast. We uh, may certainly have an interesting week for us Steeler fans, and there was quite a Monday Night Football game. Um, don't think we've seen a Monday Night Football game this good in a uh, long time, definitely this season. Um, but, you know, everybody kind of jokes Monday Night Football is not so good. So um, definitely a lot to recap here. As the season starts winding down, we're getting closer to playoffs. Teams and races are starting to get closer. Um Certainly a lot to look at, so we'll just jump right into intros here before we recap Monday night. Uh, I'm Zach. And I'm Eve. And I'm Dante. And uh, we're just going to start with Monday night football. Um, the Ravens come back to win, uh, beat the Browns. Really, there was both teams coming back. I mean, it was constant lead changes. Nothing but rushing touchdowns until the last couple scores. Um, the Lamar Jackson uh, bathroom break, cramp, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> You know, everything was just crazy last night. That was probably one of the best Monday Night Football games I've ever seen, um, and I don't recall any that were even close. I don't know. What do you guys have to say? Dante, go ahead. You can start. Yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely one of the most entertaining games I've seen probably this season, and especially on Monday night. Like you said, I know those games kind of have the reputation to be a little bit less than stellar, but... Um, you know, it, it was awesome to see, you know, two divisional foes going back and forth, exchanging blows. You know, you got the Ravens who are kind of on the ropes here with their playoff hopes. They got to win the Browns up and coming this season. They were nine and three, um, you know, challenging the Steelers potentially for the division. And I think it was just awesome. Like I said, to see those two teams kind of exchange blows. Whereas in the beginning of the season, we kind of saw the Ravens just roll over the Browns and the Browns just kind of rolled over and died. And then you saw kind of like how we were talking about in the last podcast, just the growth of this Browns team and how they're different from years past where, you know, they went down a couple scores after the, uh, I think it was in the third quarter, they were down by two scores and, you know, they could have just rolled over and died like typical Browns of the past. But, um, you know, they rallied around each other. Nick Chubb was just carving them up. Same with Kareem Hunt. Uh, Baker Mayfield was making some nice throws. Fansky was was feeling it when he was calling the plays and they're able to battle back and really put themselves in a position to win the game. But then to see Lamar, like you said, had his bathroom break. And then with McSorley, I mean, he goes down. If Lamar doesn't come back, what, what happens there? You put Tucker in a running Sam back? Sam Cook, baby, Sam Cook. <laughs> run the Wildcat. But um, yeah, I mean, it was great to see Lamar get back in the game and kind of bring back some images from last season where, you know, he was MVP, of course. And, but like I said, it was, it was really entertaining. This was by far the best game of the year, hands down. As of right now, I mean, we still got three game, three weeks left of the regular season. So somebody could potentially top that, but I don't see that happening right now. But, you know, it, it was just everything that you wanted in a football game, a lot of points, a lot of offense and, not much defense, but the Ravens' defense did end up getting a turnover. So there was a little bit of defense. It uh, kind of reminded me of the Chiefs-Rams Rams game back from 2018 a little bit. A lot of points, little defense, but with some defense, great game. And so so was that last night. And um, I think the both of these teams proved a lot to not only themselves, but to the league. Uh, the Ravens, they proved that they are still – fighting for that playoff spot they're fighting they're still fighting uh they're still trying to get a playoff spot here but they're also you know hitting their stride right right now pretty late in the season they're hitting it on all cylinders on the offense the the rushing game is doing really good Lamar Jackson obviously didn't 
you know, have the best passing attack. But, you know, when, when he came back in at the end there, he looked to throw looked to throw the ball pretty effectively there. And then Baker Mayfield again in the and then the Browns, they really proved something to everyone as well. They're proving that they prove that, hey, we're for real. We're a real team. We're a contender. We're a playoff contender team. I don't know if I'd go too far to say a Super Bowl team just yet, uh, because their defense is still a little bit sus is very suspect, but they prove that they're for real and that they can compete with anybody. And um yeah, it was just really it was just really everything that you can ask for in a Monday night game. And as for the Baker Mayfield, like you pointed out, Dante, um, I, I think we really need to cool it back now on the slander of him because he's really shown up here the past couple of weeks. Yeah, he's really he's really grown up. Um, you've seen him mature, you know, from coming in and in, in the the beer cooler season where they finally won a game and stuff, and um, you know now you're looking at a team with Nick Chubb who's as good as a running back in the league. Um, Baker throws the ball really well. He's got weapons, but that team, even with the defense struggling, they show that they can put points on the board, and that's really the biggest thing for them, I think. Um, being able to score because they're never going to be a team with the defense that they have. You know, Miles Garrett's fantastic, but they're never going to shut you know a, a team out that has a competent offense. You know, the Jets maybe, but you know, a team like the Ravens, there was no question that this was going to be probably a back and forth, high scoring game. Um, and you look at the what the two teams accomplished. I mean, the Ravens on the ground, they were just solid as solid could be. Um, you know, Lamar for like 130 yards. You know, each team pushed you know the Ravens pushed 400 yards the Brown uh, total and the Browns pushed 500 total so um, you know it was definitely an offensive game but uh, you really could see a lot from the Browns as well as the Ravens I mean the Ravens um, they're looking like they're going to go into the playoffs on a five-game winning streak so they're going to be playing Jacksonville the Giants and Cincy and the way they're playing they could beat just about anybody right now so that's a, a team that I'm a little scared of um, and then the Browns they're going to have the Giants Jets and then the Steelers so they're certainly going to be coming in um, hot to week 17 for a game that, you know, depending on what the Steelers do, could potentially have division implications. So um, there's a lot to look forward to uh, the rest of this AFC North season. Um, but certainly that game last night was amazing. Could we also like talk about how like a much of a story line this kind of was, you know, like the Ravens are down in the fourth quarter with four or five with like, with under two, with about two minutes left to go, Trace McSorley goes down with an injury, and all of a sudden you think, "Oh no, it's over." But then Lamar Jackson with the Superman cape comes running out of the tunnel and then throws a touchdown pass, like awkwardly it, running, <laughs> like awkwardly <laughs> running. Still clenching a little bit from that break, but um, also another thing we got to talk about: how unbelievably good and consistent is Justin Tucker? Oh my gosh, he's Stand the be- he's the best kicker in the league. You get, you get a guy like Boswell who has a Pro Bowl year, and they start calling him one of the most accurate kickers in the league. Then the next year he goes for seventy percent, and then he bounces back. He's been better, but this dude was given most accurate in history first couple of years in the, in the NFL, and he has done nothing but back it up. and And it's not even like he, you know, he stays inside 52 yards you know like boswell they like they don't like getting him up higher you know certainly kicked 59 yards indoors but you know certainly has the leg to do it but tucker's out there in pregame kicking 70 75 yard field goals in the wind i mean this dude's just a machine and 
there is no kicker in the league right now that you can say, I just got to get to the ball to like the 37-ish to feel comfortable. I, I don't think there was any doubt in anybody's mind that Justin Tucker was going to miss that field goal. Dude, like, he drilled it. He drilled it. I mean, th- there was no doubt that he wasn't going to make it because this dude is automatic. He will always make it. Yeah, I saw. I actually found it really interesting. When I look back at Justin Tucker's career stats, um, I got to pull it back up here, but I think it was, yeah, 50 plus in 2016. He was 10 of 10. In his career, outside 50, he has a year where he missed five, six, and a couple of years missing two. He's 42 of 59, and he missed 11 in two consecutive years, like, combined. That's crazy. And, like, his career percentage is 90.8. He's just unbelievable. He's only missed four extra points, and they've been since they moved it back. Before they moved it back, he was perfect. If, but, yeah, like... I mean, I, I could be wrong. I th- I just remember... It might have been like 2012, 2013, and there was another Monday night game where the Ravens were on, and I think he made like a 60-something yard field goal. 61-yarder. It's his career long. Like, yep. And everyone back then was like, whoa, this dude's legit. And like seven, eight, year, eight years later, he's still doing the same thing. Like that's that's unheard of for kickers like you mentioned earlier. Like, you know, normally they start off hot or whatever, and then they go through their cold stretches and jump teams and everything. But, man. Bro, that year in 2016, he was 38 of 39 on field goals and perfect on 27 extra points. He had a 97.4 percentage. The Ravens didn't even make the playoffs that year. Nope. And last year, 28 of 29 and missed two extra points for 96.6. Just and, absurd. And to mention, like, we saw it a lot this week with, I mean, with a couple of the games, like most notably the, the Vikings, Vikings and Bailey. And oh, Bailey. Even good Lord. <laughs> Even in the Browns game, Cody Parkey shanked a field goal early on. Like that's the difference. And, like, an that, extra game point too. And, and that game would have been tied, or they would have won. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, yep. Justin Tucker's just like, nope, I got this. <laughs> yeah, and he even missed an extra point last night, which, like, you know, missed an extra point, whatever. But like, yeah, but that, was, yeah that wasn't even his fault though. That, that was his, uh, that was the offensive line's fault for yeah. not blocking. No, I mean, I just was saying, like, statistically, he missed right, an extra right. point. You know, like he's missed right. three kicks this year, but. He hasn't even attempted as many as normal. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a weapon. And that's everything I saw on Twitter, you know, talking about that game is, you know, obviously the storyline of the rushing offenses and kind of Lamar's return. But I could not stop seeing Justin Tucker as an absolute weapon just all over the place. He's an absolute yeah. machine, dude. Absolute machine. He's... He's by yeah. He's by far the best kicker in the league. There's no question about it. If you don't think so, then you clearly don't watch football. <laughs> but um, l- let's keep it in the division here. Uh, for any for any of our listeners, this is the topic that we're going to be talking about for probably the next 25 minutes to a half hour because we're huge Steelers fans. But unfortunately, the Steelers lose their second straight game to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the final score of that game was 26 to 15. Um, the first half looked good for the Steelers on the defensive side of the ball. Offense, not so much. And then in the second half, just the team in general just looked gassed. They, they just looked terrible. Uh, the offense can can't still can't figure out the run game. And these short passes are not working. So I, I got to ask you guys, like, w- what's going on? What's the issue? Dante, you want to start or you want me to go on my rant? 
Um, yeah, <laughs> we're all going to go on rants, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you go ahead and go on your rant. I got to get warmed up here. One for ten <laughs> on third down. One for ten on third down. Are you kidding me? I mean, that, that's the, that's all you need to hear. Basically, the gist of one for ten for third down is Jordan Berry made eight punts. If you have a punter that has to punt eight times, you're not going to win. I don't care that we only had 47 yards on the ground. Or, yeah, whatever it is, 47 yards. Okay, it's it's not been the thing, and we know it. The offensive line has no push at all. You see it with the run game, because Ben takes, of his 37 pass attempts, probably 35 out of the shotgun, because he needs that extra second and a half of distance and you know kind of time from the D-line getting at him to get the ball out, even though he's getting the ball out quicker than ever, and you know the storyline is 2.2 seconds, whatever. I don't care. If you can't let Ben get under center and either hand the ball off to Connor, Samuels, Snell, I think Samuels should be riding the bench because he doesn't need to be on an NFL roster. But if you can't give it to Connor, Snell, McFarland, heck, Derek Watt, and if you, I'm going to leave that up to you, but <laughs> I, I just don't yeah. get it because <laughs> you know you look at Juju, six catches on seven targets. Great. 55 yards, though. Like When in Steelers history in the last five, six years, have we seen a yards per attempt so low or yards yeah. per catch so low? Averaging nine point two. Wasn't he seven for twenty eight the game uh, Washington game? Um I think it's seven catches for twenty eight yards. Seven for twenty eight, yeah. Four yard average. The we are, the game before, four point six yard average. He was eight for thirty seven. The game before, four for nineteen. The game before, nine for seventy seven. Like I, I mean Go ahead. That's what I was saying. Like the last, like the last pod. Like, I mean, he's best suited in the slot. Everyone knows that. Absolutely. But like, you can't be throwing him these screen pass. Like every time I see him get the ball thrown to him, it's like a screen pass that gets blown up. Like you got to get creative with him. Like get Claypool. It's, you know, get him to stretch it vertically downfield. You got Johnson. Like, uh, well, he's another topic of discussion. Yeah, but. Don't even get me started yet. <laughs> I mean, get creative <laughs> with Juju. Don't just throw him the pat. Don't throw him screen passes the whole time. Get him creative, like whenever AB was here. Run him underneath. You know, mm-hmm. find ways to fit him in the zones. Like he's not like he's gonna get open. Like you can't. And I know the whole point is to get the ball out of Ben's hands fast. But like you got to be able. There's some. Sometimes you just gotta let stuff develop. I mean, you look at Juju's rookie year, 2017. 58 receptions for 917 yards, 15.8 average. The next year. 111 catches for 1,400 yards. I'm not even going to look at 2019 because he didn't have Ben. He had Duck and Mason Rudolph, whatever. But this year, 79 catches for 655 yards and 8.3 average. You cut his average of his rookie year in half, and he has 21 more receptions, but approximately 300 less yards. I mean, what are we getting out of this? Ben has 21 completions for 187 yards, two TDs, two picks. That's the problem, the picks. He's got five in the last four games and only seven touchdowns. The three, the four weeks before that, he had seven and nine, 11 and three. So I don't even care about three picks when you're throwing 11 touchdowns. I don't care. I mean, you got Juju, and I gave the description to Eve right after the game. Juju, I can't remember which one of you I gave it to, actually. He, Juju is your physical but shifty guy. He can make the plays with the ball in his hands, but he's physical. You watched him run DBs over in this game. Johnson is your AB or your poor man's AB. He's going to catch the ball, but he's going to make people miss like it's AB. his job because he it, it is his job. Ebron, 
five targets, two catches. I'm sick of seeing him running routes. <laughs> He's great at the goal line, but I'm sick of seeing routes. John or James Washington is a great receiver. Definitely needs more routes. Definitely needs better targets because you threw into double coverage to him twice. Um, you know, he's your deep threat that's a little more physical. Claypool's your guy who he's going to stretch the field. He's going to win every jump ball. And the ones he doesn't catch are most likely pass interference of a DB not turning around, shoving their hands in his face, or they're probably hitting him before the ball's even there because he's that much of a mismatch. Now, why is he seeing six targets but not even seeing 70% of snaps? This dude is your best overall deep threat. Juju can run a deep route, but he's not going to win the, the 50-50 balls. Johnson doesn't even run more than 10 yards downfield. And, Wa- and Washington, he's your crossing route guy. But you got Claypool sitting on the bench, 40% of your team snaps, and Johnson, now it's time, drops two balls on the first series. First play of the game. Yeah, like you can visibly see it hits his hands and he turns up field before he has possession because he's more worried about getting the upfield than he is catching the ball. I'd rather a reception for two yards than a drop. My favorite part of that whole thing was him just looking down at his hands like, yeah, buddy, that that's the problem. Your hands just, are the problem. <laughs> it's the yeah. same thing as playing baseball and missing a ground ball and looking at the glove like it went through it. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, like, like there's a hole in your glove or something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And the defense, I mean, the defense was fine. Alulu had another good game, forced fumble on a sack. He was probably one of the best defensive players out there. Cam Sutton had three passes defensed. Steven Nelson had three. Mike Hilton had a pass defense, an interception, a forced fumble. He's an animal. And TJ Watt was being, like, triple teamed all game. And held. Oh, yeah. Well, that's been the story of the season, is that dude getting held like crazy. You know, and you got Barry averaging 39.8 yards per punt. Come on, dude. Like, if you're punting in the NFL, you need to average like 45, 46 yards. Even if you are punting from your eight-yard line, like he was the first two series, you still got to flip the field. You got to get past midfield, dude. Like, come on. (laughs) Remember when we were happy we signed him back? Well, he was good, but now he's terrible. (laughs) It's just, I don't understand why the offensive line is struggling. You know, Villanueva looks like he's playing like he's 45. Pouncey's 38 or whatever his age is and looks 58. DeCastro is either totally disinterested in playing or is hurt and just not sitting. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, we need to, like, something that a lot of people aren't really talking about it or they don't want to talk about is the fact that either DeCastro is playing insanely hurt or he's just absolutely terrible now like he's regressed so much i'm willing to bet it's hurt and i'm guaranteeing that it's something with either a shoulder or a labrum because he's got no push his legs look fine he still moves downfield but if you have no arm strength in right or left arm you know guys aren't really getting through because you can pinch towards pouncy or you can pinch towards the tackle but i mean he just has no pushback, and he's the guy that you ran right for six years. Le'Veon Bell had holes like nobody else because DeCastro was moving a nose tackle and a linebacker at the same time. Yep. But now it's, you know, Chuk Sakura 4 goes down in the game. 
Dotson goes Dotson. down in the game. Dude, Dotson got absolutely forklifted. I don't know if you guys saw that play. Yeah. But that dude literally had one arm extended on him, drove him back five yards, and put him on his button. Like, it was embarrassing. I mean, he's been really good when he's played, but this is a much better defense. And we just signed someone off the Chiefs practice squad, and you never know what you're getting out of a practice squad player. But this O-line is so banged up. It's so scary. No, I think they should have kept him regardless. What was the cap savings on it? Like a million and a half? Yeah. I, I, I don't understand know. that. I forget. Yeah. What was the corresponding move for that? That was, was bringing. Yeah, that was no. That was bringing somebody back off of uh, COVID list. I think. I mean, Williamson looked good. So if that was the corresponding move, sure, he had nine tackles. Yeah, like, I'm I mean, okay with that. Yeah, I was going to say you can't really argue that one. I mean, he looked. He was all over the field and everything we needed. Like he is a mobile inside linebacker. He can read the field. And he calls plays. I mean, Devin Bush is obviously the guy when he's back. But, heck, if that's your one-two in the middle with Watt and Highsmith on the outside, oh, <laughs> wow. I mean, Highsmith I, needs to get healthy, dude. Like, he, he, he's he been playing kind of injured the past two weeks. Well, as I'm saying, you know, all healthy. I mean, he only had one tackle. But, I mean, yeah. he was pressuring the quarterback a little, making Allen run out of the pocket. So, uh, well, I don't know, man. The gist, mean, the gist of the rant is they got to stop dropping balls. The O line's got to get better. The running game, I don't even care who's running the ball at this point. Similar to the Rams, how I've been trashing on their running back by committee. <laughs> I'm going to say a yeah, little pause for the Steelers here. I was right. They should stick with one running back, and it should be Cam Akers. <laughs> Ran for like 170 yards, and I was finally, I finally got to see them choose a running back. <laughs> but I don't care who the Steelers pick at this point. Snell, Connor, McFarland. Heck, if it's Jalen Samuels and he's running for 80 yards, sign that man. I don't care. But Dude, it's I, terrible. I, just, I mean, I watched – you're watching the game, right? And I know, this is what I was thinking, like – this is literally just a repeat of last week's game. The whole first quarter, three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt. Like it was literally the first six or seven possessions was punt. And it's like, it's a case of the Steelers just like letting these teams, I'll be, I mean, the Bills are a great team, but like they're letting them hang around. And, and you just felt that at some point it was going to catch up to them. And really, I thought they were in decent position until the pick six, which completely, I think that's whenever they mailed it in. Like after that pick, like even though it was nine to seven, very manageable, easy. I mean, you could win that game coming out of the halftime, but they just came out flat. And I, I think that's whenever they just mailed it in, in my opinion. And it, you saw, I mean, Steelers defense was blitzing all night long and they were bringing the house. Like they weren't just blitzing, like they were bringing tons of people. First down, and, they were throwing skyscrapers at that old. Yeah. Like Mike Kelton was coming in on a corner blitz like every <laughs> other play. Like it was insane. Yeah, and like he was, he was shot out of a cannon, bro. And even they were like highlighting it on the broadcast. Like, I mean, it's good to throw like mix that kind of stuff in there. But if you're going to do it all the time and they're kind of forced to, to do that, you're going to see what happens. You're going to have guys like Stephon Diggs on one-on-one coverage and just get open and make plays. And then that one possession, I think, I don't know if you can blame the slip, the slippery turf or whatever the surface was, the playing field. But 
two plays in a row, the Steelers cornerbacks just got absolutely put on skates. And it, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean if they, I remember right, it was Nelson just absolutely sliding like ten yards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the first one. It, it was both digs. Yeah. Uh, two digs catches. I remember. I forget who the second one was. It might have been Sutton on the the, the, the one. Was the I, I think. I think the first clip was by Sutton, and then the second one that led for a touchdown was uh, Nelson. I mean, oh my god! And it, it, they just it just sucked the wind. And then we always talk about how we got to start throwing it deep, but I. I that second interception when Ben throws a deep and he underthrows Claypool by a mile, like that's that's a worry in my eyes. Like I think part the of the issue there? on that was the O line collapsing and he couldn't step into it. I know that like the takes have been either that or his arm strength, but I'm convinced that like the dude's terrified to get hit, which is not good. But also like I feel like if he planted and stepped into it, he gets plastered by whoever. Yeah. And then, like we said, the offensive line's been struggling. There's been absolutely no run game whatsoever. I actually almost texted you guys last night or Sunday night because the Steelers ran two run plays in a row because it was just something I haven't. Seen. I don't think we. That seen was all insane. Year. <laughs> I was, like, I was like, "What did we just do that?" Yeah, I was about to be like, "Steelers just ran two plays in a row." Like, uh, <laughs> it's it's. They're for good games too. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Zach, you're. You're hating on Jalen Samuels, but honestly, I thought out of the out of the trio, he was the one that ran the hardest last night with the carries that he had. Or well, he's Sunday fighting night. to stay on the roster. I mean, yeah, I could see that, I mean, but James Conner, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. He just it doesn't inspire me. Benny Snell, the same thing. Like, you know what I mean? You know, I was a big fan of Benny Snell coming into the year, but more and more when I watch him, he just does not run downhill like he's advertised to. Yeah. He looks like he's running uphill with ice skates on. Like mm-hmm. he just has no no downhill force to his running game. And truly, I trash on Jalen Samuels, but you're right. He did look like the most inspired runner. And I think that's partially because he hasn't had carries until like last week and then this week. But I don't know, dude. If like I said at the end of my rant, if Jalen Samuels is is what's getting it done. More power to him. I don't care. I mean, you watched him last year. He was catching passes. He was blocking. He was running the ball well for Duck and Mason. So, heck, if that's what it takes, sure. I don't care. I, they just they got to get something creative going on offensively here because everyone knows what's coming at this point. The short pass game, 2.2 second release points. Like, teams are just starting to sit on those routes now. Like, you got to, all right, they adjusted to you. Now, how can you adjust back? And I haven't seen a response yet from the Steelers. In Coach that Randy aspect. says if you get it out in 2.1, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't, there's too many weapons on that offense for it to be struggling as much as it is in my opinion and it's a lot of things um you know not being full strength wide receivers dropping passes running games kind of non-existent right now but i don't because they can't keep leaning on that defense i mean i i know they the defense is probably is definitely the best side of the football for this team and it's the hallmark of this team but they're battered and injured and just like just like we saw last year when they carried them eventually at the end of the year they got gassed they ran out of gas because they're just on the field the whole time expected to carry the team. And, you know, eventually the offense has to compliment them and bail them out for a couple games. So um, hopefully they can do that because I don't want to see a repeat of last year on the defensive side of the ball. And the difference between this year and last year is we're on reserves now. Like last year we were pretty much healthy for the most part this year we're on second, third string guys. So 
They got to get that figured out in a hurry. I'm gonna. What? I'm just gonna jump in. I had the most Filipponi take ever when I told Eve that Randy Feekner needs to be fired and Munchak needs to be hired. So. <laughs> I'm literally about to go on this rant on Randy Fickner and why he's the worst <laughs> offensive coordinator in the in the NFL. We're here for it. The dude seriously cannot change his style of play. You would think after the past three weeks now, Randy Fickner would say, hmm. Okay, well, this isn't working, so we need to try something new. No, for some reason, this dude is like, no, we got to stick to the game plan. Throw short, throw screens, throw slants, whatever. Ignore the deep ball, ignore the deep ball. We got to lean on Ben Roethlisberger to lead us the game. Forget the run game. Screw the run game. Just why? Why are Why is he just not changing the game plan at all? That is just mind-boggling that he would just throw these screens every single play to Deontay Johnson, who has sucked these last few weeks. Like you guys said, he like, I'm not even going to go easy on him right now. He's sucked. Plain sucked. The dude cannot catch a pass right now for some reason whatsoever. And then Eric Ebron too. I mean, I love the guy. I thought he was a good signing, but I agree with you, Zach. I'm tired of seeing him running routes. Like, I don't understand why we don't get Vance McDonald involved more in the passing game. The dude has this clear chemistry with Ben Roethlisberger that he's had for the past three, four years now, but but it, we, we just don't throw it to him anymore. And I understand that he's more of a like he's more of a running tight end, r- running block tight end. But still, that should say something like, "Hey, listen, like we can utilize him." in the passing game because he runs over people that stiff arm that he had against the Buccaneers a few years ago. Like seriously. And then, okay, Derek Watt, we're literally paying this guy, this man like $10 million to sit on the bench and only play special teams. I don't understand why Randy Figner does not utilize him in the run game. I was watching when, when I was watching the game last night, and I watched Nick Chubb score his second touchdown, you know who was leading the way for him? The fullback. The fullback. And I literally said, see what happens when you use a fullback at Steelers? Use Derek Watt in the running game, in the passing game. Just let the dude go out in a flat route and catch the ball and run for a first down. I don't think Fickner liked Ben calling him a Swiss Army knife. Well, he is so. I mean, he's literally the—he's literally a Swiss Army knife for for the Steelers. And then, just the, the drops, like I said, they're they're really annoying. I, I can't. I just don't understand what's going on. And to go off the Chase Claypool thing, like I really don't understand where he's been the past couple of weeks. Like, I was looking at some of his stats, and I don't. And since Baltimore, he really hasn't had over fifty yards receiving. Like. I just don't know where that's been. And um, no, you're right. I, I think James Washington needs to see more snaps as well because he's built. He's building that chemistry with Ben Roethlisberger, and he 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 and Chase Claypool are the deep threats. That's for sure. And then the pro- another problem with this offense that I see is that obviously we're not putting up enough points because we're not driving the ball down the field and we're doing everything. But did you know that this offense was? Once upon a time, averaging 30 points per game. 
they were averaging the first nine games with over 24 a game. Exactly. We were averaging 30 points a game at one point in the season. And now Baltimore, you only score 19 points. Washington, 17 points. Buffalo, 15 points. You're not going to win when you can when you can't score more than 15 to 20 points. 15 to 20 points. We saw that a year ago when the Steelers were fighting for their playoff chances and they scored only 10 points in their in their final 3 games. And then one thing that I can't stand when I see on Twitter is how much Steeler fans are already giving up on Ben Roethlisberger. Like seriously? Like Okay, this dude, like Ben Roethlisberger is turning the ball over. He's turned the ball over the past couple weeks now, but he's a big reason as to why we are 11 in two. And you're just going to say, oh, father time caught up to him. The dude needs to retire. Shut up. Like, seriously. I I agree with you, dude. Like, I felt that Ben Roethlisberger has been one of the most underappreciated athletes in the city of Pittsburgh for his time Mm -hmm. with the Steelers. Like, Anytime something goes right, it's always someone else that does something. It's never been. Anytime something goes wrong, it's always been. Like, and if you take Ben Roethlisberger away from the Steelers since he was drafted in 04, there's no Super Bowls probably. They probably don't even stay above 500 for half of those seasons. Like he's he is a, like I said, I, I think he's one of the most underrated and underappreciated uh, court like athletes in the city of Pittsburgh. Period. And we yes. saw it last year how they faltered without him. So I, I think that's just insane too. Yes, like, like I just can't stand the fact how some Steeler fans are already saying that. Oh, well, he needs to retire. We need to play Mason Rudolph or someone. But do you really think the Steelers yeah. would have gotten to eleven and zero with Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges at quarterback? I want to know. I want someone to come up to me with a straight face and say Mason Rudolph should start over Ben Roethlisberger. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's not the answer there. I, I just can't stand it. But one of the other questions is it, it like that I'm seeing a lot on Twitter is like Ben's left knee. Like, is he really hurt? Like th- th- that's a question that I'm kind of circling around because if I think Apparently he was the organization is actually- pretty scared about it, they're like actually worried. They don't know what it is or like they won't say what it is, but apparently they're like kind of scared. I mean, it looked pretty bad when it happened, but like if he was actually hurt in everything, don't you think he would, he re- would report on the practice report. And do you think someone in the media would at least ask him about it saying, Hey Ben, how's the knee? How's the knee today? Hopefully we can hear from that tomorrow when Ben has his press conference. I hope someone asks him about that because if it is actually bothering him, then I don't know. Like you, you obviously play him this week and obviously next week against the Colts, but obviously rest him against Cleveland at that point. But like I, I, that's something that obviously concerns me is that if, if Ben Roethlisberger is actually hurt, then, may, then maybe this is a whole different discussion here. But if he's not, then – I, then I don't understand. Yeah, the whole thing I think to me is just really weird. I don't, um, I don't quite understand the whole knee thing. I mean, I get it. it, it I mean, I agree with you, Dante. It was definitely kind of scary when it happened, but um, no question. I don't know. I think that this week against Cincy, I'd almost be happier seeing Mason play. Um, to let Ben rest for Indy and Cleveland. You know, certainly if you drop to 11 and 3, you need to win the next two games, but um I don't really care so much about the one seed because it's out of the question at this point. Kansas City's not losing another game. They're going 15 and 1. Um Oof. 
Yeah, hot take, but I don't think they're losing another game. I think they're that good, and I don't think any team matches up with them, um, even who they play this week, which we'll get into in a little bit. But um, I don't think one seed's there. Certainly, I'd be happy if we got it because it's a week off for Ben to be actually two in a row, essentially. Um, because if Mason manages to beat Cincy this week, you know Ben could beat Indy, and then at that point, you just don't play him against Cleveland. Um, I don't know. I, I think Ben needs to kind of, if he's scared of getting hit, he needs to stop it. <laughs> because that's the NFL. You're facing guys like Miles Garrett. You're facing guys like DeForest Buckner. You're facing guys who are going to get in your face. There's guys who are going to lay you out, and there's not nobody's else is like Chase Young where he's not going to hit you because he loves you. you know, that, that was funny. That that, was funny. I mean, it was great, but like nobody else is going to do that. I mean, there was no reason for Chase Young to lay out Ben in that instance, but I mean, he's going to get hit. Certainly, it's going to happen. I mean, he was one of the most sacked quarterbacks in NFL history his first like six years in the league. He just he got hit constantly, and I think he's tired of it and obviously scared of it more, but dude, if you're that scared of getting hit, you shouldn't be playing. See, I don't know if he is really scared of getting hurt just because he's taken hits already a lot this season. Now, I like I, I will point out that like in that Dallas game where the where that injury did look scary, that was on turf, and so was last night's game, and so is or Sunday night's game, and so is this upcoming Monday night's game. So, like, I, I think that's a difference factor because then all the rest of the games have really been in grass. So like I, I I don't know the whole technical I don't know the whole technical terms of that really but like uh, if that even does play a factor in it but I don't know like because I, I I don't think Ben is really afraid of getting hurt because if he was afraid of getting hurt I think that I don't know maybe he would throw the ball out a lot faster than he has been or something like that I, I could be wrong I could be wrong you're but. just influencing Randy to make him get it out in under two now. <laughs> Oh shoot! Yeah, I, 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 disregard, disregard disregard what I just said. Yeah. Disregard Randy, what I just said. Randy would love nothing more than Mason Rudolph to go under center because all he does is check her down. Oh my but god, like, that's like it's terrible. I mean, in college, that dude threw the ball a mile. Like that's Uncle Rico out there throwing it over the mountains. Oklahoma but. State was one of the most explosive offenses in the country. Like, and he had James Washington. I mean, and I'll be. Yeah, and albeit it was in the Big Twelve where they don't necessarily play defense or like to play defense, but still, like, but that dude was throwing the ball a mile. Like he yeah. throw like his biggest criticism in the draft was he had small hands. I don't care if he's got small hands; the dude yeah. throw it. Well, the, the the issue with that is that it's obviously we all know this is that college is I mean college is way different than the NFL yeah. because in college you're playing the same people over and over and over again until you get to a bowl game, but in the NFL you're playing your division twice, but then you're playing new people every week. And I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly the case, but you look at the schedule. He could have probably beaten the giants week one Mason, the Denver game. I don't know if anybody, but Ben could have beat them in the way that we played. I completely forgot about that game. Oh, that was so bad. Um, I actually was thinking about it earlier cause I lost Cortland Sutton for my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> We're gonna move on. Philly, but ben, but ben, no, but but Ben wasn't even hurt that game. No, but like I, I'm and, just saying, and, you know, if, you know, for yeah. all the people saying Mason should be playing, he wins That's week true. one. Don't know about weeks two and three. Denver, Houston, Philly, probably Cleveland. We beat them thirty-eight to seven, so I don't think it really matters who was a quarterback. We were winning. Jalen Samuels could have been running the Wildcat for all I care. Um, Tennessee, no chance. Baltimore, no chance. Dallas, maybe. 
Cincy, yeah. Jacksonville, absolutely. Baltimore, no. Washington, I mean, he could probably beat him. I don't know. Buffalo, no chance. So, like, you look at it, he would have won four out of the 11 games we've won. Five, maybe. Um, I, yeah, but then we, yeah, obviously we wouldn't be, yeah, we obviously wouldn't be in the position that we're in right now. No, so. and that's the thing is Ben is the reason that we were in this position, clearly. I mean, until the last few weeks, he was on his best TD to interception ratio ever. I mean, he's still having a good year in terms of that. Like, you look at him, he's, his best year, I think, in TD to interceptions was, 32 to 9. Yeah, 32 to 9 in 2014. And that's that's pretty good. He's still 29 to 9. So if he throws three more, he ties it. You know, three more touchdowns. So I don't know. I'm just I, I don't really understand the whole Ben needs to retire thing. Ben looks washed up. You're talking about him as the MVP of the season for like seven, eight weeks. Well, the, well, we, we obviously Ben's going to play this week, and he's going to play next week as well. We got to acknowledge. We're, we're, we obviously know that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I we really just need to get back to like somewhat of vintage Ben instead of like these two, three step dropbacks, seven step drop hangs in the pocket, looks around, boom, throws it like a deep to Juju Smith Schuster for forty yards and a touchdown, something like that. Instead of like these short passes we, we should be going like medium like 10 15 yards downfield or so that's what i'm saying I, I, you gotta let stuff develop mm-hmm. exactly. like you, gotta, you gotta let it develop you can't just keep hitting these dink and dunks like uh, like we, we talked about juju a lot of it's because like i said he's getting a lot of touches from screens that get blown up like that's i mean yeah you throw him a screen every now and then he's gonna run over a db but like it's not you're not best utilizing him as like you're not you're not maximizing his full potential in the offense. You're not doing that with a lot of guys on the offense with this you know two second pass stuff. Like you gotta let stuff. You gotta get creative, and you gotta you gotta let it develop, man. Yeah, I think the other um, thing is without any sort of deep ball presence or even mid range presence, like outside of twelve yards downfield. Teams can key in on the short passes. You can keep the linebackers coming in on a blitz. You can keep the safety sh- safeties short and let them play man on the corners on the deep routes because they know all that's going to happen is Juju's going to run a 15-yard post, Claypool's going to run a go route, and then you got Washington and Johnson or Connor, Samuels, whoever running back, and Johnson on little check down, you know, kind of out routes directly to the sideline three yards downfield that they're just going to cut it up. So they know... If you keep the corner and you keep the safeties pressed down, they're not going to throw it deep. He's, they're not doing it. So all you have is you have two-on-one, and you're throwing in a double coverage constantly. Let alone, yeah. he gets balls tipped left and right at the line. And that is becoming a huge, huge problem. Like I, I feel like they just don't have any kind of game plan going in. Like, no, they don't. And, and when you have that many off it, like, would it kill you to like, okay, so you got Johnson, you got Juju, you got Claypool. Like, go out there on drives and just say, all right, this drive, we're feeding Claypool whether you like it or not. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, all right, that they didn't work. With Diggs, they didn't care. They threw yeah. him eight times on the drive, and he caught seven of them. Like, I feel like, yeah. like, we bl- like we talk about how they need to be more creative, but at the same time, I feel like they're giving themselves paralysis by having so many options out there. Like, quit worrying about trying to spread the love. Just go out there for a drive and say, all right, we're feeding Juju all the way down the field. We're going to call plays that cater to him. We're going to make, you know, Claypool. We're going we're to use him as a decoy, whatever. Like, 
we're just going to feed Juju. We're going to get him Juju, going this drive. Juju was the best receiver on Sun on Sunday. There's no question about that. No doubt. Because, like, obviously Deontay Johnson still couldn't catch a ball. I mean, in the second half, like, he, he looked a little bit better, but still he needs some – he needs to figure that out. And then – I was glad to finally see him get benched. Yeah. I was too. Dude, when I, was I saw too. him standing there, I could not have been more happy. If if you could ask my <laughs> girlfriend, we were watching the game. Dude, I looked at her, I said, thank the Lord he's out. Man, that's right. enough, man. Yeah. Honestly, it, it was just it, it was just good to see him and I think Eric Ebron on the sidelines too, because Eric Ebron dropped an easy third down I was conversion. Gonna say, yeah, he dropped a huge third down pass early in that game, I remember. It was yeah, it was like third and two, and it was an it was, it was easy, it was a little low, but still very catchable, and he drops it. It's yep. just I just don't understand why these guys can't catch the ball now because it, it was never an issue early on in the year, and now Deontay and Deontay Johnson can't catch a ball, and then Eric Ebron looking like the Eric Ebron in Detroit. Like it just doesn't make any sense. It's got to be so frustrating for Ben too. Like, I'm not trying to make excuses for Ben. He needs to like he needs to definitely play better. But like to just put it in your guys' laps and they just drop, drop, drop. Like, how do you think that makes it? Like, what goes on in his head when that it's happens? Probably why he's not throwing downfield because he doesn't want to throw 30, 40 yards downfield and watch it get dropped on a perfect ball. Well, and then he can't say anything in his press conference in his after after the game press post game press conference because then he's going to be deemed a bad leader. Mm-hmm. It's just like because <laughs> like I mean you obviously don't want to say well my receivers can't catch a ball you obviously can't say that but it's like yeah it's like is is he wrong though Didn't he call someone out. On his radio show or something, I he forget. called Antonio Brown out. Yeah, and and, and that's uh, why Antonio oh, yeah, went on yeah, that yeah, drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and that's why AB went on his whole "get me out of Pittsburgh" well, thing. I mean, Pittsburgh radio is going to think Ben ruined AB's life because he called him out. Dude, where's yeah. the accountability? Like, I mean, that I mean, just tells you all you need to know about players on your team. Like, if okay, Ben calls out a wide receiver, like, all right, Ben could play better, but he's like, is anyone? denying what he said like well it goes back to you know Dante you and I talk about it with the Penguins all the time you know these guys Murray plays a terrible game and Sully's like no he played a pretty good game there's a lot to like about it you know we we definitely have a lot to take from it the dude with five goals on 24 shots yeah Yeah. out of his mind he he stops 49 of 51 he's like oh I played like crap tonight it's like what are you talking about no, but one thing that drove me insane, or has driven me insane about the Pens over the last couple of years, that we didn't see necessarily with the Steelers, is you know their sense of owning up to it. So right after the Baltimore game, I don't know if you guys watched the Tomlin press conference or not, but he was just, yep, brutal. Like he was like, yep. I forget someone, one of the media asked him a question about what happened and something. Why did something happen in the game? And he was like, because we sucked. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah, he's sucking. <laughs> he said us sucking and then a JV performance. Yep. And like, like he, he went out there and said that, whereas the Penguins will kind of be like, uh, you know, we hit a post or two, you know, things didn't go our way. You know, we just got to start getting these bounces starting our direction. I don't think we need to change anything. Whenever you really do need to change something, they're not like they're denying it. The Steelers are at least acknowledging it. And I think that's a positive sign, to, you know, heading into the final stretch of the season yeah. here. 
that's what makes Mike Tomlin such a great head coach. One of the best coaches in the NFL is that he's not afraid to like say what's on his mind. Like mm-hmm. he, and we, we, we love his words too, the way that he expresses things with words. Like, it is the standard. We uh, don't care. Well, yeah, we do not one care. Thing crack me up all the time. It's like we are the common denominator between all things that involve us or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the dude just talks. I don't know. I think at this point, accountability is something they really need to work on. You need to hear, you know, Johnson doesn't have, you know, massive press conferences or anything like Ben and Tomlin and those guys, but you need to hear somebody say something of, I was terrible. I need to play better. You know, Ben does it. He said, you know, I need, if I can't play better, I need to hang it up. But, you know, you need to hear Johnson say, I've been terrible. I really need to play better. If I can't play better, I'm going to, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, but I'm going to bench myself. Or Ebron needs to be like, I need to get my head on straight. You know, whatever it takes. Or the O-line collectively as a unit through Marquise Pouncey, because he's the only one with press time, be like, you know, we need to play better. We are the reason that there's no run game. Because it's true, but they're not going to say it. You know, Tomlin can sit there and say it's a JV performance all he wants, but when your O-line's causing the issues, or the root cause of a lot of the issues, then, you know, you can't get a run game. You're not able to do, like you said, Dante, a series where you target Juju and draw plays only for Juju, like you used to do with AB when he went for 1,800 yards in a year. You would literally get on the field, the O line would get to the huddle, and Ben be like, All right, it's going AB. Just give me enough time to get this to AB. <laughs> like, Bell be like, I bet, dude. I'm just going to run down the field, you know? Or when we had the Garrett Blunt, he could go sit down and smoke a blunt and AB's going to the ball. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, Martavis could be standing out there, you know, lighting a pipe or something and yeah, AB's 70 yards downfield because you knew in 20, you know, 13, 14, 15, and 16. And Antonio, 17. Yeah, and 17. Antonio Brown was going to catch 10 balls a game. He yep. was going to go for 120 yards a game. And he was probably going to catch two touchdowns. You just knew that there was, you know, the first drive, maybe it all went to to Vance when Vance was here. It all went to Heath when Heath was here or, you know, Bell, whatever. It might have been a running drive. Drive number two, they probably punted, whatever. There was a stretch where they couldn't score on the first drive. They punted, whatever. You knew maybe second to last drive of the first half or first drive of the second half, AB was getting nine targets. It did not matter what was happening. Crossing route, screen pass, check down, ball downfield, post down the middle of the field. He was catching it and scoring. No question. But they don't do it. Like you said, they need to take Claypool and say, run a 15-yard post and catch the ball because it's coming to you no matter if there's a linebacker holding your feet, a corner dragging on your shoulders like they do no matter what and a safety bearing down on you, you need to catch that ball. No, I, I, I got to agree with you completely. Like, like you need to find the best matchup and say, okay, this ball is going to this specific receiver this whole drive. I, don't, I like, don't complain to me or anything, but if, if Chase Claypool has the best matchup, take advantage of it. If Juju has the best matchup, take advantage of it. And, and it goes all around there too. Just take advantage of... Who the who has the best matchup? I gotta be honest. Something that frustrated me is the Bills lost their one starting corner, the one that had the pick six, and they didn't target his replacement for like two drives. 
Yeah. That's something all season long that announcers praised Ben on. Tony Romo downright licked Ben's toes talking about it. <laughs> the, the Dallas game, when the corners were going out, he was targeting the replacement. The Baltimore game. They watched every corner they had. I was going to say, you literally watched Kevin Stefanski just abuse that uh, backup corner last year. Yeah. I forget his name. He was number yeah. 33, I think. <laughs> yeah. We played Baltimore the first time, and they lost Marlon Humphrey for like a series and a half. They lost um, – they had the 38-year-old covering Juju and Claypool. Yeah, Claypool Williams. caught the touchdown. I mean, he was abusing that man. Like, the guy had no business being in the game if Marlon Humphrey's healthy, obviously. Marlon Humphrey's unbelievable. But you get a backup going in that's probably not played in two, three weeks because somebody hasn't been hurt for two, three weeks or probably doesn't practice with the first team ever or let alone the second team maybe. When you see Juju, Claypool. I don't even care if it's James Washington who has barely played his two years in the league, three years in the league. You see a backup, your receivers are better than that backup. I can guarantee it. Dude, not even that. Like, we talk about all the time how they have all these weapons on the outside. Like, you got Johnson, you got Juju, you got Claypool. Somebody, like, those guys aren't just your average wide receivers. Like, one of those three, or whoever else it is, is going to attract um, special attention from the defense, whether it's an extra safety or, you know, they're dropping more guys onto their side. Like there is going to be something to exploit out of that because they're one of those guys, whoever the defense decides to do is going to give extra help to one of the sides, wherever the dude's on. So like, if you see that, someone's got to see that up in the press box. I mean, Fickner's on the sideline. So whoever's in the box He's is got to be lined. They gotta be like, hey, they're they're shading towards Juju. We need to start feeding Chase. All right, so you start feeding yeah. Chase. Say you score, you go down the field. Next drive, defense adjusts because that's what defenses do. That's what teams do. They adjust. So this, let's say they start shading more towards Claypool. Okay, cool. Let's start throwing it to Juju now. All right, they go back mm-hmm. to Juju. Like you just gotta interchange it. Like you gotta be yeah. creative, and you gotta like I said, just trying to spread it out the entire time over a drive to make sure everyone gets their touches and that they're healthy. Like you're literally giving yourself paralysis. Like quit worrying about that. Just zero in and get going. I'd almost rather have Todd Haley back at this point. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about him the other day. I forget what I was looking at, but I, I was like, man, remember when Todd Haley was the OC of the Steelers and we thought he was bad. Yeah. This Randy. is brutal. What about, uh, did Jalen Samuels play quarterback or wide receiver in college? I think he played tight end. Yeah, I, th- tight end. I was thinking who could be our next Antoine Randall L just throwing like three passes a game. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I'm up for anything just as long as we can get creative and defenses just don't look at our offense and say, hey, it's a screen to Deontay Johnson. Make sure you go pick that up or something. Buddy hears footsteps like we used to hear in backyard football at eight years old, and that's why he drops passes. Back, backyard football. That that is what be, has made Ben Roethlisberger's career is his backyard football's type of style of play, and that's what we need to get back to right there. Collinsworth and uh, Tariko said it in Sunday Night Football. He literally was stepping up in the pocket, moving around. You know, he sort of looked slow moving around in the pocket and climbing the ladder. He looked like he was forty, you know, or forty-five. I guess he's almost forty, anyways. But he just looked slower. But at least he was doing it. He was moving up into those gaps where he could step up and not get hit and get the ball out. I mean, the touchdown pass to, to Washington, that's exactly what he did. He jumped up in the pocket. He took three, four steps up, fired a bullet to James Washington, 
and that's a touchdown. I mean, it's not. He did it all with his eyes too, because he because mm-hmm. like they, they said it because looked left. He looked left, drew the safety towards whoever the receiver was back then, came back, boom, bullet to Washington for a touchdown. Dude, his pump fake, unbelievable. Never seen anything yeah. like that. I couldn't do that without letting go of the ball if I tried. I mean, a hundred times. I mean, I yeah. would say though, Josh Allen with the shoulder shimmy, Minka looked like he was chasing a ghost, bro. Oh my gosh. Oh my yeah. Lord. I mean, we gotta talk about that a little bit. Just Josh Allen was an animal. And that shimmy, oh, Minka like jumped ten feet forward thinking the ball was coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then boom, touchdown. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I think the overarching narrative for this whole game was the offensive line in a running game changes everything. You know, we talk about Baker Mayfield and his play action. If Ben gets back into play action, pff, game over. I mean, when he had yeah. time like that, not only does he have five seconds because of the O-line with the pass protection of a running back and the O-line, but he's got time to create. He's got time to direct guys across the field, and he can see the openings. He can get the ball there. He has the arm strength. That's not a question. But if he can get the running game and the offensive line, the defense will create points. They will get the interception in the, you know, the, the, the offensive side of the field. And then we're in the def- you know, we're in the other team's side of the field to start possession. They'll, fu- they'll force fumbles. They'll, you know, sack a guy and make it third and 25. And then they, you know, have to punt from there or fourth and 25. But the defense can't score points like that. Though they might get a pick six, they might get a fumble recovery for touchdown, but they're not going to score 30 points a game. They'll create no. points. But if you can't convert and score and have a running game to chew clock, you're never going to win a game, especially this time of year. To go back to your Baker Mayfield point, I'll interject with this. The Browns and Kevin Stefanski, they have a coach. uh, He calls the plays, so he's technically the head coach, OC, whatever. Mm -hmm. He understands his team. He understands their identity, and he understands his quarterback. He plays to his quarterback's strengths. Can you say Randy Fickner is doing that? No. Mm-mm. And that's the difference between him and, like you like like you said earlier, a lot of people were question marks about Baker. He started off kind of meh. Now he's really rounding in the form. Him and Stefanski, they, they figured it out. You know, mm-hmm. play action, run the ball, make sure he can hit the timely throws, don't rely on him too much. And you see where it's taking them. Like you, I don't know. I, I just don't think him and Ben are on the same page. Or uh, he definitely doesn't understand what well, best suits Ben. Like, uh. well, but, yeah, Ben needs to step up then and say, "Hey, listen, Randy. Like, this obviously isn't working for us right now. I think I need to go back to somewhat of my old style of play here." Like, he, I, I get the fact that those two are like friends, and that's why. He got that's why Randy Fickner got the offensive coordinator position in the first place was because of Ben. But at the same time, Ben shouldn't be afraid to step up and say, hey, let's go back to what let, let's go back to like two, three years ago, what we were doing. And I think and I think that would work perfectly. Definitely. I mean, I think at the end of the season, Fickner gets fired. No question, because you can't if he doesn't, that's ridiculous. But. I think at this point, you have to consider it. You have to look at why your offense struggled, especially against teams that you could beat by a lot more points than you are. Um, And I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a guy, you know, I don't even know. I'm looking at the offensive coordinators around the league, you know, teams that might have theirs fired. 
Darren Bevel in Detroit, I don't know if I'd really want him. I mean, Kubiak's not getting fired in Minnesota anytime soon. Um, I don't even know. Well, Byron well, Lefkowitz well, he... from Tampa Bay, but he's not going anywhere. Heck, I'd love Hello, to see him back. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, oh, come on. That's not even fair. <laughs> oh, well, man. You, well, you, you know the issue that the Steelers are going to do with addressing that offensive coordinator position is – they're going to hire in organization. They're probably going to promote Matt Canada. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not opposed to Matt Canada maybe calling the plays here every once in a while because I've seen that all over Twitter. And I, think I think Canada he, was brought in for this. Honestly, Canada should step up and say something too. Like, hey, listen, we're, this obviously isn't working either. Let's try something new. You know – I think Canada would be a really good option because he knows how to work a passing offense. He knows how to work a pocket passing quarterback. He turned Kenny Pickett into one, and Kenny Pickett had no idea what the pocket was his sophomore year of college. (laughs) Speaking of which, Kenny Pickett is returning to Pitt. Steelers draft Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada. Kenny Pickett (laughs) MVP, baby. Kenny Heisman MVP. Well, we're thinking uh, Trask, Kyle Trask. I've seen a lot of – and say, hey, let's go get Kyle Trask. Another kid, I think, from Washington or something. They're talking about he might be pretty nasty. Or be uh, the BYU quarterback. Yeah, he's he's going to go top 10. There's no way we get him. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be gone. <laughs> he's so good and, like, no recognition before this you year. Might see, you might see six or seven quarterbacks taken in the first round this year. Obviously. I mean, there's like, so many good ones. Got, Lawrence Fields, Fields. The kid from BYU. Trey Lance. Ugh. Um, Trask. Mac Jones. He's pretty good. Too. They, they're saying he might be the fourth one off the board, Mac Jones. Really? Jeez. Who's the kid from, like, North Dakota State that played one game? Trey Lance. That Lance? Okay, I couldn't remember his name. Um, yeah, but he played, like, one game. I feel like there's one more that I'm forgetting. Uh, I just had the mock draft up, too, and I got rid of it. <laughs> uh, let's see. So this is another question. Do you take a quarterback if you're the Steelers? Well, I think he has the Steelers were projected to trade up into the third round and take one. So, yeah, we got Lawrence, Justin Fields. This is all first round. They only have you know, Mac Jones, number six overall. Zach Wilson, seven to the Ooh. Falcons. Ooh, Mac okay. Jones over Wilson. Ooh. Yeah, apparently. Alabama bias from every single scout and something. Trey Lance. Yeah, they got him. Uh, they got him going to the Bears, dude. 15. <laughs> so that's five quarterbacks. Five quarterbacks. And then let's see. Um, I should have left this up. That would have been a good point to bring up. Um, I have no other ones going in the first round, but we're supposed to – they're projecting us to take Carlos Basham. He's an edge rusher first round. An edge? Well, I guess if they let Bud walk. He's from Wake Forest. He's nasty. Oh, boy. Honestly, yeah, like I think, yeah, the Steelers obviously I think need to take a quarterback here in this year's draft, but it's not going to be to like the at least the third round because I think we have to address some something on the defense, maybe like a pass rusher or Zach. You and I have talked about this. I think we need to draft an offensive lineman, like well, either in the I first th- round or second round. There's a kid from Miami of Ohio. His name is Tommy Doyle. Highly underrated. Really good. I don't know if he's a guard or tackle, but really good. 
He's not projected to go until like the fourth round because of where he played. I would love to see Tommy Doyle come to Pittsburgh. He's a big body. It's like 6'5", 326. He's a freak. He is so, you're saying so good. He's Ben's reincarnation is what you're saying. He could be like the next DeCastro. He's that oh, you said he's a guard. I thought you were talking about a quarterback. Oh, no. Yeah, he's a, he's a tackle or a guard. But the quarterback they're projected to take in the third round is Jamie Newman. Um, I think it's actually out of Wake Forest. So um, apparently he is going to be their quarterback of the future. He's one well, of the I mean, top three oh, that, that, that's obviously No, that, that's obviously just uh, projections, though. I mean, we can't yeah. obviously, like, yeah. Well, I'd love to see them get that Cincinnati kid let him sit for a year or two. That kid's going to be good. I wouldn't be opposed. Yeah. Well, this kid, Jamie Newman, had 3,000 yards, 61% completions, 26 touchdowns, ran for 500 on the ground, 6'4", 230. He's a Kevin Colbert yeah. quarterback. He's they say he's similar to a Josh Allen. Dude, this quarterback class is gonna be insane. It's gonna be it a really 2004 is. type draft class. It's gonna be insane. Yeah. Yo, going back to going back to like the Steeler position need though, I still think we might need it like uh, we still need to address, I think, running back. And I don't know if you maybe either draft a running back in the draft a running back, or do you see who's available on the market and say, hmm, okay. I, I he he might be a good fit, but I, I don't know who's going to be on the market this year. That that's the, that's my only. I don't know even issue. if there's going to be anybody good. Um, I think you do yeah. draft again, let Snell run it because at this point he's a cheaper option than Connor, and he's not that much worse than Connor. <laughs> I mean, you've seen what he did. As long as the running back's not Dre Archer, I'm cool with it. Oh Lord, let's not even go there. Well, no, is that dude in the league still? Yeah, he's long gone. <laughs> I was about to say that, to, that's uh, a blast from the past. Back to Tommy Doyle. He's a left tackle. Could replace Villanueva if you don't sign him. That's true. Be okay. Because I know that. the yeah. Because I know the Steelers need to make some decisions on people. And the one person that you obviously got to resign w- without question is T.J. Watt. Give him the big contract. That's next Give him, year. No. Oh. That's no. I think year. it's the, I. No, I think we're. I still think we should sign him this year, though. Well, I like, like. I mean, you definitely want to do it while he has term left, but that's a next year problem. They don't have the funds right now. Especially because he's going to command like nineteen million a year, but still, like but, more than that. What's Joey Bosa? Or well, yeah, that's Joey. that's cap. I mean, salary wise, he'll probably be sitting somewhere like twelve. But signing bonus, he'll have probably eight to ten. Football but still, so weird. Contra- yeah, no, make no sense. Hockey contracts are so much easier. <laughs> so are as so are NBA contracts. Facts. Supermax five years, two hundred sixty-six million. Okay. But like uh, honestly, like for TJ Watt, whenever the Steelers sign him, it's that Family Guy episode where Peter yep. pulls out his checkbook mm-hmm. and says, "Sir, here's my checkbook. Write down whatever number amount of money you want, and I will pay it." Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what the Steelers have to do to TJ. So let me ask you guys this though. So let's say he commands thirty plus million on your cap. Are you willing to pay a non-quarterback position quarterback money? He won't command that. I I, I don't see there's a, I don't see there's a chance in the world. The best linebackers yeah. in the league don't command that. I mean, you're I'm talking <laughs> yeah. like Luke Keekley in his prime. He would never even think to ask that. You, well, I, certainly in the theoretical world. Though. Well, I mean, yeah, he was a middle linebacker, but in a theoretical world, thirty million take a hike, buddy. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think any defender is worth that money. 
I mean, because Joey Bosa makes 27. He's an edge. I mean, I know he's more of like a traditional defensive end, but it's I don't think it's really out of the realm to think that, especially he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. So <laughs> Yeah, well, I'd like to see the voters give it to him. They hate yeah. Pittsburgh. But I don't think it's unrealistic to say that he might say, hey, you know, I want 27. I want 30. Like, I want Joey Bosa money. I want to reset the market. So I mean, isn't Bosa a right end, though? Like a traditional, like, D lineman? Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. Is every team in the league will argue with JJ or TJ that he's a linebacker. He's not an edge rusher in terms of like being a right or left end or a D tackle. He's a linebacker. He has to well, play I mean, coverage yeah. from time to time. He will rush the passer more than he'll ever drop into coverage. But the right. problem is his numbers will never be the same as a traditional edge or like traditional rusher because he's not just rushing the quarterback a hundred percent of the time. Right. So I'm saying number wise, I could see him in the 22 neighborhood and I'd pay that. I don't care. But I don't see it being any higher than that, like 22. I'd say somewhere around like 19 to 20 is probably a comfortable number for him. Especially because he knows he's similar to JJ where he's not going to want all the money in the world because he wants a good enough team around him. Sidney Crosby style. Poor JJ. Yeah, poor guy. Ripsky. We've really gotten like off of off of what we were talking about before. Hey man, I don't care. We we definitely knew that like this That's is what was going to happen. Um, yeah, but I think if we are going to rein it in, um, Steelers got to play better. The uh, the drops got to go away. The running game's got to come back. The offensive line has to get better, and uh, the the defense is playing well. That doesn't need to change. But I think at this point we just got to start, you know, winning games again. Get on a roll going into playoffs. You lost your games. Now you're not going 16 and 0, so nothing to worry about. But yeah, and nothing exactly. against nothing against the Bengals. But if you're gonna try something new, you might as well try it out this week. Yep. Nope. <laughs> yeah. There you got like Brian Allen's their quarterback, dude. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna try some stuff that you you don't know if it's gonna work, but it's it's something you just like creative, something out of the box. Might as well run it this if week. Matt Canada's going to call plays. Do it now. Right. Um, but let's get into our game picks here. We don't want to get to two hours again. Um, first game we're going to look at is actually going to be an interesting NFC game. Switch gears a little bit. We're going to have the Bears and the Vikings, uh, two six and seven teams fighting for that last playoff spot. Um, Trubisky coming off an unbelievable game. We know he doesn't like to do that back to back weeks. Vikings coming off a tough loss to the Buccaneers, thanks to Dan Bailey. Um, so yeah, who you uh, who do you guys think here is going to lock up that seven seed? Dante, you can go ahead. Um, this one's kind of a tough one for me. I'm leaning towards the Vikings as of right now, just because you you look at that game they played against Tampa Bay, and like you mentioned, yeah, they lost by twelve, but Dan Bailey left them ten points on the board. And I, I know they lost by 12, but if in the heat of the moment of those that game, like if Dan Bailey hits that field goal and they go up 10 nothing, then it's a completely different game. Like who knows if Tampa Bay is able to reel it in and get back in it. So they went up against the number one rushing defense in the league. Dalvin Cook ran it right down their throats. I think they had like 39 minutes of possession. They were, they're the only team Something in the NFL. Bad. They're the only team in the NFL to lose both games where they had over 39 minutes of possession. Like every other team in the NFL has, has is undefeated. They've lost two games. I think the other one was the Seattle game. But um, yeah, like you mentioned, Trubisky's a little inconsistent for me. I was never really a believer in him. Um, the Bears, 
they got a tough defense, but like I said, you know, the Vikings, even though they lost, like they, they played extremely well this past weekend. They just had unfortunate balance with their kicker. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the Vikings this week. I got to agree with you. I am also rolling with the Vikings uh, <clears throat> just with the bears. You know, I mean, if you look at who they played last week, of, of course they were dominant. They played the Houston Texans who really aren't playing for much right now. So of course they were dominant. Um, the Bears defense is tough, like you mentioned, Dante, but I mean, Dalvin Cook and the Vikings offense is pretty much the whole Vikings offense. And I think he's going to run all over the Bears defense. Uh, Adam Thielen, just, Justin Jefferson may get involved here as well. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, kind of that mediocre quarterback, but he can still get it done. Um, and M- Mitchell Trubisky, yeah, I mean, he had a great game, but I don't think he has another great game. I think he's. I think he's going to have a bad game this week, so I am rolling with the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, the biggest thing, if I were to pick the Bears, was that they'd be able to slow down Dalvin Cook, and we just watch the the Vikings take down the best rushing defense, kind of run it down their throat. So I think yeah. that kind of wipes that out for me as of right now. Exactly. Yeah, I'm taking the Vikings, too. Similar reasons. Dalvin Cook, that's really all that needs to be said for that one. Um, we're on the on the same page for once. Um, yeah. Uh, you know what that means? Yeah, it means the Bears are going to win. Um, yeah, Trubisky's too inconsistent. The Bears' defense, don't get me wrong, they're solid, but um, David Montgomery had all of his yards on one run. Um, I don't think he's going to do it again. Um, like I said last week, you know, with getting Kendricks back, the Vikings' defense was able to kind of put up more of a fight. Like you said, Dan Bailey left double-digit points on the board. Um, yeah, I think the Vikings are just a much better team than their record indicates. Um, the Bears mm-hmm. are a much worse team than the record indicates. They sort of five and one. They're like six and seven now. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say the Vikings. Uh, it's a pretty easy game for me to pick. Um, yeah, but uh, next game here, um, we're going to go with the Pats and the Dolphins. Um, the Pats, as Dante mentioned before we started this, is kind of their last stand. Um, basically, lose and no playoffs, win, and you got somewhat of a shot. Uh, but Brian Flores, his Dolphins are playing really good football right now. Um, if you like to say about not writing off the Dolphins. So what are you thinking for this game? Yeah, I mean, the Patriots are going to play tough because they this is a must win for them. But I don't think they're going to stop Tua. The way that he's been playing since he first came in, he, he's he's been balling. He's been almost lights out. I mean, he almost he, – he almost – brought the Dolphins back against the Chiefs this past Sunday and the Dolphins have a really good defense too like uh, their their defense may like on record or so like uh rankings wise excuse me uh, rankings wise it doesn't look like it but when you really watch this defense it's like huh like they they are actually really good i i think that they are on the rise to becoming one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, they're not there yet, obviously, but I think they're on the rise to do that. Uh, Xavier Howard, I don't know if you guys know this, but he has like nine interceptions this entire year. I think that's like the most by any quarterback right now. So, I mean, Xavier Howard has to go up against basically no named wide receivers on the Patriots. So if Cam Newton even tries to test Howard, I think he's going to get picked off every time. And then Joe Jerome Baker, uh, I've watched him at Ohio State throughout his time at Ohio State, and he was really good. And then he had that 30-yard sack on uh, Patrick Mahomes. So that, that was pretty crazy too. So, 
But again, Tua, I, I just think that the way he's playing right now, he's really he really has that edge to get the Dolphins back in the playoffs. So I'm rolling with the Dolphins. I am also going to take the Dolphins, and I'm going to effectively end the Patriots season. And I know I'm probably going to regret saying that because you never doubt Bill Belichick, but I, I just, after watching that team get absolutely battered by Sean McVay and the Rams last week, I just, I don't see how they can beat this up-and-coming Dolphins team. And I, I think this is the moment where you kind of see a shift, the pendulum shift in the AFC East, where the Patriots finally take a seat and you see two other young teams, the Bills, the Dolphins, rise up. And for all the mentions, or for all the reasons that you mentioned, uh, the young up-and-coming defense, you know, they're, they're just, they're a fantastic unit. They're coached extremely well. Um, you know, Tua, like you said, he went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, nearly brought them back in that game. I was not expecting that from him. But it was great to see. And if you're a Dolphins fan, you have so much to be excited for, not only this week and the rest of the season, but for years to come. Um, I think Tua, I, th- I think he breaks kind of Bill Belichick's record here against rookie quarterbacks. I know he's been exceptionally well against them, but I'm really going to go with them being able to buck the trends here in Brian Flores being able to beat his old mentor, Bill Belichick. I am going to take the Dolphins. Well, you're really going to re- regret taking the Dolphins because I'm taking them too. Um, <laughs> Tua in his, what's that, six starts, has nine touchdown passes, one interception, one fumble lost. Um, I don't even know if it was lost, it just says fumble, but um, he's been really good. He's been playing a lot better as of late. I mean, this past week against the Chiefs, 316, two touchdowns, a pick, and even had 24 yards on the ground and a touchdown on the ground. So, um, you know, Tua looked really good. I'm certainly a little concerned about them losing Devontae Parker. Um, he certainly is what, their best talent wide receiver, um, but Gasicki's just a freak at tight end. Um, Hopefully he plays. Yeah, we're hoping so because, I mean, that's <laughs> that's really Tua's biggest weapon right now. Um, but the defense, like you said, you both mentioned it, the defense is so good. I mean, they had the Chiefs beat in the first half, you know, the Chiefs have the best quick strike offense in the league. No, everybody knows that. Um, but that defense was so good. They picked off Patrick Mahomes three times. They um, they really made a game out of what most people thought really wasn't much of a game. They, everybody thought the Dolphins had a shot, but not much of one. They definitely made it a lot closer than people anticipated. Um, and they're playing Cam Newton, who's really not playing good football right now, and a team that has very little offensive weapons. Um so I think really what it comes down to is which which offense kind of breaks through here, the tough Pats D against the good Dolphins offense or the good Dolphins defense against kind of a hit-and-miss Patri- Patriots offense. But um, I'm going to take the Dolphins, and then, uh, yeah, like you said, the Patriots' reign in the AFC East is all but done. So real quick, I, I know they mentioned it briefly during the Rams game, but like you mentioned, Cam, I mean, you can just see that dude is absolutely spent. Yeah, his arm's gone, yeah. dude. He has oh, no yeah. arm. So if you're Bill Belichick, do you throw Jarrett Stidham out there the last couple games here just to see what you got in him? Like, obviously, he uh-uh. probably isn't the future, but, I mean, you might as yeah. well trot him out there. Can't honestly, hurt. I w- yeah, I was honestly thinking about that last week, too, once the, once the game was over. Like, yeah, Cam Newton I don't think is your guy, but 
it wouldn't hurt to at least say, hey, we're going to start Stidham here for the what, for the next three weeks just to see what you have in him to say, okay, well, in the draft we need to get a quarterback or not. So uh, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, the other side of it, you only got a million tied up in camps. It's not like you're sitting an $18 million quarterback. Exactly. So, right. you know, exactly. Stidham, I think, might be making similar money. Um yeah, but we're all on the same page the first two games here. Um, our next game, we're going to look at the Eagles and the Cardinals, two teams who really need to get a win um, to stay in the playoff picture. The Eagles to keep pace in the NFC East and potentially you know, get back into it, having a chance of winning it. Um, and the Cardinals you know, making sure that they stay in the playoff race for those bottom two seeds, six and seven. Um, Dante, what do you think here with uh, Kyler versus Jalen Hurts? I'm going with Jalen. They had an impressive win over the Saints last week, which I did not see coming at all. And, you know, Jalen played great. I think he added a new dynamic to that offense that they were missing. They kind of, they got, they're able to get Miles Sanders going. Um, You know, like I I just felt like they were able to play more loosely, kind of open up the playbook a little bit more. Whereas, you know, when Carson Wentz was in there, the focus was more on him and getting him going. Whereas with Jalen Hurts, it's kind of just, you know, let's play football. So um, like you meant, we mentioned earlier in the podcast, they're getting healthy at the right time. Uh, the defense played really, really good last game against the Saints. Um, and we always talk about momentum. So and they're 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 a desperate team right now. Like you mentioned, they're right in the thick of it. I am going to take the Eagles. Well, I hate to do this to you, but this is where we disagree because uh, I, I know the Cardinals won last week against the Giants, but that that was a good against a really good Giants team, and that was I think a win the Cardinals truly needed to jumpstart their to jumpstart their team, and I think it did. Because, and, and I think it did because if you look at that, because if you look at the Cardinals' defense, one guy had five sacks and forced like two or three fumbles, I think it was. So like that, that's just insane. And I, I just think, um, the, I just think the Eagles defense isn't, isn't good enough to handle, to stick with, uh, Kyler Murray and Deandre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald. So I am going to roll with the Cardinals here. I'm going to roll with the Cardinals here just because of that reason. Um, I'm also taking the Cardinals for literally the same reason. Um, I think their offense is going to be too much. Even though Darius Slay is going to be shadowing Hopkins, it didn't really much matter um, who anybody's been putting on him. You know, last week especially he had a really good game, even with Bradbury covering him. Um, you know, obviously Slay is in a different league than Brad Ver- Bradbury, but um, I think that regardless, you know, whether it's Hopkins, whether it's Kirk, whether it's one of the two tight ends, Fitzgerald. I just don't think that the Eagles have the weapons or the um, the offense to keep up with the Cardinals. Certainly, Jalen Hurts brings a new offensive dynamic. Um, Miles Sanders, really good. Um, Goddard, Zach Ertz. But other than that, Jalen Rieger is not quite ready to be that um, leaned-upon guy. So I'm going to take the Cardinals here. Um, and like that defense is playing a lot better. Um, Buda Baker kind of called himself out and said he needs to play better. So... Um, I'm going to take the Cardinals, um, kind of staying in the thick of it for that NFC race, um, as we all think the Vikings are going to be as well. Um, the next game here, uh, same two divisions, 
two different opponents, Seahawks at Washington. Um, we got a good Washington football team coming into this game. Um, potentially could take the division lead here, depending on what the Giants would do. The Seahawks looking to stay in that uh, potential division winning race, um, even though the Rams have the lead. Um, so, Eve, what do you think? Do you think the Seahawks keep it rolling, or do you think Washington comes in and plays a Giants card and upsets the Seahawks? I think that I'm going to roll with Washington here. I think their defense is just good enough to st- to handle Russell Wilson in that dynamic offense. And um, it, it, it depends on if Alex Smith plays for the uh, Washington football team's offense, but Dwayne Haskins came in and actually played pretty good. And I, I think he's actually a good quarterback because he's he has that chemistry with uh, Terry McLaurin because of their Ohio State days. And um, he's definitely not a running quarterback or anything like that. But ter- but um, Dwayne Haskins can hang in the pocket and deliver a strike and deliver a strike. And um, also for the Washington offense, it also depends on if uh, Gibson plays. I know he got hurt in the Steeler game and he didn't play last week. But I think McKissick played pretty well, was serviceable for Washington last week against the 49ers. So, I mean, if, if he plays this week, I think it'll be really good. Plus, the Seahawks defense, like we said, um, it's still sus. I think it's getting a little bit better, but still very sus. So, I'm actually – so, I'm going to roll with Washington and strictly because of their defense. Their defensive line is probably the best defensive line in football. Chase Young, I cannot stress this enough. He will win Defensive Rookie of the Year. He had a freak of a game last week. Uh, f- like a fumble recovery for a touchdown, and I think like in a couple sacks. So, I I, th- I think the Washington football team gets it done. So, for both my fantasy team's sake, sorry Zach, and the football team for their sake too, I'm rolling with I'm rolling with Washington. Um, you know, you said it, Zach, in the intro. You know, the Giants handed out the blueprint, and when you look at the football team and you look at the Giants. They're a very similarly structured team. You know, they play good defense. They're well coached. The offense is kind of meh, but they're going to play you hard. They're going to play you tooth and nail. And as we've seen throughout the season, that those are the teams that Seattle can struggle with. And one matchup that I look at in particular, so we talk about the Washington defense. I think their secondary is a bit of a weakness, and I, I think that might have a chance to be exposed with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and company. But I think that gets canceled out with just how great Chase Young and the rest of that defensive line is. Because when you look at the Seahawks, yeah, their defense is suspect, but their biggest hole and their biggest problem is that offensive line. And I, I think that Chase Young and Montez Sweat and the rest of the boys are going to be able to take pressure off the corners. They're going to get to Russell Wilson. We saw the Giants game, how they were getting to him, creating chaos. He was kind of getting really flustered, running out of the pocket, not really being the Russell Wilson that we've seen, you know, let Russ cook this season. So um, for those reasons, I'm rolling with the football team. Um, This is a game that, you know, I really struggle to pick because like you guys said, the Giants did hand out the blueprint of how to beat the Seahawks. Um, the football team's defense is really good. Um, they're definitely up and coming, um, but they're still really solid. Logan Thomas has been really hard to contain. Um, I don't know who's going to start at quarterback for Washington because um, I know that Alex Smith did get hurt. 
Um, if it's Dwayne Haskins, I'm probably just going to roll Seattle because I really don't think that Dwayne Haskins is what they think he is. Um, but has anybody heard anything about Smith or am I on the right track with Haskins here? I haven't heard anything from Alex Smith as of right now. I'm thinking it's going to, I'm thinking they're going to roll with Dwayne Haskins, but at the same time that could change by tomorrow. Um, um, obviously it's a, it says they're optimistic that he can. Alex Smith can play this week. I'm with you too. I, I'm not much of a believer in Haskins myself. He's really raw. I mean, certainly with the right coaching, the right training, um, he could be really good. But I'm going to just take Seattle. Um, I think that Russ is going to take a lot from last game. I think that Carson's workload is going to get upped a little bit, um, and he certainly has you know receivers in Metcalf and Lockett, um, and then. The other guys that have kind of been playing a role, and Lockett, I think, is going to get really involved this week. Um, I kind of have a feeling that um, he kind of has a big week on the off weeks for Metcalf because Metcalf's going to have a tough matchup this week. But um, I'm going to go with Seattle, um, partial for fantasy team, but also for the sake of I think they're the better team here. Um, into a really tough matchup for us to call. Um, we got the Chiefs at the Saints. We got the two one seeds going at it. Uh, oh wait, I guess the Saints aren't the one seed now. The Packers are, but um, we got the Chiefs and the Saints, two of the best teams in the NFL. Um, Drew Brees has a chance to return this week. If not, it's Taysom Hill. Um, and then the buzz saw that is the Chiefs right now. Um, they don't really care when they start playing the football game, but uh, you know it could be at start time, it could be at halftime. Doesn't matter. They clearly are the best team in the NFL right now. So, um, Dante, who you think? This one's tough for me, um, because when you when when you look at it, like you mentioned, they're just a buzzsaw right now, right? And you know they're just rolling through everyone. It doesn't matter when they decide to play, when they don't, and when they don't want to play. Like they they just find a way to win games, and I think that's something that's scary from that we haven't really seen from last season. Whenever they actually won the Super Bowl, is that they're just finding different ways to grind out and win football games this year, whereas last year they just went out and they said, all right, we're just going to outscore you. So it's tough because we talk about it. To beat the Chiefs, you have to be able to run the ball. First, you got to get up early. You got to be able to run the ball, and you got to be able to chew the clock down. And for the Saints, I think it really comes down to, A, if they can get Alvin Kamara going, and whether or not Drew Brees plays. If Drew Brees plays... I think the Chiefs have a better shot than if Taysom Hill does. I know that might be controversial, but I think if Taysom Hill plays, you're going to see more design runs to get him involved. I think they only had two design runs last game. So I think you're going to see more of that for from the Saints. And Sean Payton is just you know an offensive genius. Um, if they can get Kamara going and if they can sprinkle in some Hill runs, I think that could be a recipe to, up, to upset the Chiefs. Um, you know, the Saints defense is stacked. Um, I it's it's hard to pick against the Chiefs, so I'm going to take the Chiefs. But that that's just for all the reasons why the Saints will probably win. But I'm rolling with the Chiefs. I got to agree with you for pretty much the exact for exactly those reasons. Um, you know, it, it, it depends on who's going to play quarterback. If it is Taysom Hill, then you're right. Then they're going to design more play calls for a run for running uh but if it's drew Brees, you'll definitely see a lot more vintage drew Brees. but 
I just think with Patrick Mahomes in the speed of that offense, I think it's just going to be too much for the Saints defense. Now, I know the Saints defense is really good. Cam Jordan's having a great year. They still got Marshawn Lattimore, who's a top 10 cornerback. Uh, Janoris Jenkins isn't bad, and their two safeties aren't bad either. But like when you got Tyreek Hill, Hardman, Sammy Watkins, and then at, at the running back position, you got uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and then Le'Veon Bell. I just think it's going to be too much for the Saints defense. And then uh, the Chiefs defense is, is it the best, but it's not the worst uh, defense in the league. And I think they step up and make make a few plays here and there. Uh, I think it'll be a close game for sure. But at the end, I think maybe Harrison Butker kicks a game-winning field goal kicks a game-winning field goal for the Chiefs to win, so I'm rolling with the Chiefs. You forgot about one little part of the Chiefs' offense, the NFL leader in receiving yards, tight end Travis Kelsey. Um, oh, my gosh. How can I forget about Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Lattimore is going to be on Tyreek Hill, no question. Um, Lattimore certainly has the number of Mike Evans, but Tyreek Hill is no Mike Evans. He is the fastest receiver in the league, one of the shiftiest guys. Um, and he is just going to burn somebody at some point. Um, even if it's not for a touchdown, it's certainly going to be for some sort of crazy reception. Um, but even if you double Tyreek, Travis Kelsey's one-on-one with the linebacker or a cornerback, and it doesn't matter because he is going to either moss the cornerback or bully the linebacker. He is that good. Um, like you said, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, Le'Veon Bell, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it does not matter who – is doubled, tripled, if you double two guys, it doesn't matter because that offense is that good. Um, The defense, like you said, not great, not bad. They can get the job done. Um, If Taysom Hill plays, I feel like it definitely, like you said, is going to be a lot more quarterback draw type stuff. Um, There's certainly going to be some passing. They're going to have to throw the ball because they're either going to be down or they're going to need to get up and up a lot and quickly. Um, If Drew Brees plays, look for... Uh, guys like you know, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders to have a big first half <clears throat> and then Kamara to have a second half if they're in the league in the lead. If not, Kamara is pretty much going to be invisible in this game because aside from check downs and stuff, he's not a downfield threat. Um, but I'm going to roll with the Chiefs here. I think the offense is just too much. Like I said, buzzsaw, doesn't matter if you double Tyreek or Travis Kelsey or both. Somebody's going to be open. Somebody's going to have a massive game. So um, I'm going with the Chiefs and our last game, our game, the Steelers at the Bengals. As we mentioned, it doesn't matter who plays quarterback. We're pretty sure what the Steelers are going to do, um, but we'll just go ahead right over to Eve. What are you going to pick with the Steelers at Bengals? You know, I think I think this is a game that the Steelers truly need, you know, because um, – and I'm going to give an example of this real quick. Um, the Baltimore Ravens – we're on a three-game losing streak. And then what did they need to do? They needed to win. And they played the Dallas Cowboys, who was an inferior opponent, and they got the win. And now they're on a two-game winning streak here. So I think this is – and it really jump-started their team. So I think this is a good matchup for the Steelers because it's an inferior opponent – um, I know that it, it could be a little bit closer just because it's a divisional game, but it's good because it's an inferior opponent for the Steelers, and it could really jumpstart their team to say, okay, maybe we did figure it out, and now, and now we can go on this 
deep run here into the postseason. So I'm going to roll with the Steelers here. Um, I think Ben Roethlisberger and Juju and all his and all his receivers get it going here. I th- I think they somewhat figure it out. I think also that they finally get the run game going. Ho- like at least I hope so. Knock on wood. Um, hopefully we can use Derek Wad too, but I think you'll see more of a well-balanced offense this week than in recent weeks. And then the defense again, I, I even with um, Spillane out and uh, who knows if Vince Williams comes back, hopefully he does, but we will be getting back Joe Hayden this week, which is really good for the Steelers secondary. I think the Steelers defense will step up, play really well, play kind of like how they did the last time they played the Bengals, force a few turnovers, get a few sacks. So I'm rolling with the Steelers, and I think that this is—I think this will be good for the Steelers. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you for all those reasons that you said. Um, the Steelers—if if the Steelers don't win this game, we got a problem, and that's all I'm going to say about it. No, <laughs> but they—they um, they do need this game, I think, more than people realize. Not just for the record, for the seed, for the division's sake, but like you mentioned, just for their morale. Like there's just you, you look at the team they just play emotion they're looking emotionless right now they don't have that jump they don't have that excitement um, other than Juju's TikToks before the game but <laughs> um, like they they just need it looks like they're not having fun it looks like they're playing tight and you know like you got to get back to when the offense was like you were saying was scoring thirty points a game and they're feeling good about themselves because after these you know they're getting punched in the mouth for a couple weeks in a row they have them kind of feeling sorry for themselves. So I think this would be a good kind of confidence boost for them. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers. And if I'm wrong, then I, I, I won't know what to say. Yeah, I'm taking the Steelers too. If I'm wrong, I'm not picking them the rest of the season. Um, <laughs> right. Basically, a <laughs> couple key points here. Vince Williams or not, Avery Williamson has done a really good job. I'd be happy to see either one of those two, preferably both. Um, getting Joe Hayden back. I think that make or break is a make or break point for the secondary. Um, it sounds ridiculous, but if you look at the Washington game, uh, McLaurin was all but shut down like to nothing, two catches for 14 um, because Joe Hayden was on him. And that's with a veteran quarterback who's really good, even though he's coming off of a ridiculously bad leg injury. It's still a guy that knows how to get the ball where he needs to and is still playing at a decent level. Um but you watch Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs might have still gone for five for, you know, maybe 60 and a touchdown, but that's a far cry from 10 for 120 and a touchdown. Um, I think Joe Hayden is really a big difference um, for the secondary. I think he makes a lot of plays that other guys don't, being with his experience, but also just overall skill, even at an, at an age over 30. Um, I think this is the game where they get the running game going. I was listening to some guys talking today. Um, you know, Michael Irvin even said that with the drops and the running game, it's a confidence thing. If, you, if you're confident about getting the ball through the gaps as a running back or hitting a hole and, and bursting through or running a guy over or making a move, making somebody miss, getting to the outside, making that turn, it, it, it's a totally different game than if you're like, I don't know if I can get through there. I don't know if that's the right hole. You know, am I going to have time to get through here without getting lit up? Am I going to have, you know, any anything like that? Where is my hole going to develop, whatever? Um, and then as a wide receiver, you know, the drops, it's basically catch a ball confidence, catch a ball confidence. You know, it's it sounds simple, but it is. And you're playing a team that right now you need to play before you play a better team in the Colts and a really 
up and coming team in the Browns, you need that confidence boost. You always want to kind of get that, you know, get that 38 to 10, get that, you know, 42 to whatever, you know, you got to get that big win. You don't want to let up. I don't care if Ben plays the first quarter and they go up 21, nothing. And then Mason Rudolph plays the rest of the game. I don't care. I just want to see that team put together a complete game where they just win and it's convincing and the defense plays well enough that they don't have to put up, you know, stop after stop after stop, but they can still make plays. They can still pressure Brian Allen, make the, you know, get the picks, get the sacks, whatever, but make sure that the offense is doing its job. So I'm taking the Steelers. Um, and that, uh, that's pretty convincing from all of us that we think the Steelers are going to win. Um, we're all in a little more sync here than we were last week. Um, but uh, we're certainly going to have a good week 15 here on our hands. Um, in terms of NHL news, we uh, don't really have a whole lot to update you on. Dante, if you've heard something that I haven't, feel free to interject. But basically, we're in the same kind of point where the start date is supposed to be January 13th. Um, nothing's really been announced. But players are returning to their team cities. The Penguins posted a video today of some guys skating at UPMC Lemieux. Um, and then there are Canadian teams who have over 20 guys back, um, which is, you know, obviously a majority of the roster, um, and guys invited to training camp. So certainly looks as if we might be getting something going here, but, uh, you know, fingers crossed for NHL to come back. We certainly need hockey in our lives once football is going to be done. So, um, definitely, uh, an exciting time, maybe having our two big sports back. Yeah. And I did see something today. It was, it's just a rumor. Uh, it's not concrete. Nothing really is concrete at this point, like we mentioned. But um, supposedly, teams are only going to be traveling to other teams within their division, so the new realignment. So um, the Penguins will only be playing against teams in their division this season for 56 games, according to this report rumor. Yeah, it's like and it's eight not per team or something not confirmed yet they'll play yeah they'll play each team eight eight times or seven times i can't remember how many teams are in the new divisions but pittsburgh washington um, eight games baby oh boy eight games pittsburgh, pittsburgh philly yeah dude but uh yeah it, a lot of that obviously hangs in the balance with everything going on and um they will play in their own arenas though which is a positive step forward i think uh we're not really sure about fans or anything yet but the fact that they're not bubbling and they're actually playing in their home arenas is definitely a a step in the right direction definitely um so that's all we have for uh for this week certainly focused very heavily on the steelers game and what they need to do to get it going but you know it's never a bad thing to focus on you know uh focus on something like that and go really in depth um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the end of this week's episode. Thought it was a really good episode and, uh, we'll catch you guys again next week. Everybody stay safe and healthy. I right, have a good week guys.